Listen, I can Jesus pump Gavini one your mind. Or good morning, believers in Jesus. It is thrilling for us to be here this morning, for me to be here and to be able to share with you some of what God is doing around the world. The people that you just saw are the Tongwat people of Papua New Guinea. You saw them doing one of their traditional ancestor spirit worship dances. And as we spend the next few minutes together this morning, I hope to be able to communicate with you some of the amazing things that God is doing among those people through his surpassing power. He is working among, in and through this remote tribal group of men and women. And by his spirit, God is using his church there to be humble vessels. Humble vessels who are bringing the precious message of the cross to the Tongwat people. Well, let me just take a few minutes and describe to you a little bit who the Tongwat people are. The Tongwat people, they live in a small village, sorry, a small language group of about 12 to 1,500 people, spread throughout only three or four main villages. They live on the edge of a hot and humid lowland valley plain filled with swamps and groves of sago palms. Their staple food comes from the sago palm. As they process the starch, they can use it to cook many different forms of food. Some are more appetizing than others. The Tongwa people are subsistence gardeners who use a slash and burn method to clear gardens every year. And those gardens provide the food for their families throughout the year. They grow things like yams, taro, Bananas, sugarcane, greens, corn, lots of different kinds of food they grow. They live in houses that are built off the ground with thatched roofs and woven bamboo for siding. They cook over open fires. If they need to, they can travel to the nearest town in one to two days. If the road is passable... They can travel by motor dugout canoe for four to six hours and then try and catch a truck to town that'll take four, six, maybe even eight hours to drive there. It's quite a trek. The Tongwat people, most importantly, are traditional animists. They believe that they must manipulate the spirit world to achieve health, success, and wealth. This means that their life is consumed with scheming ways to manipulate and appease the spirits. Fear is a constant and inescapable reality for the Tongwat people. The sound of a snapping twig, the screech of a cockatoo flying through the air, or a child crying will immediately be assumed to be spirits who are near and wanting to harm them. Fear is a constant reality for them. So that's the Tongwat people in a nutshell. But what I want to share with you this morning is that now God is doing an amazing work to reach into the darkness that they live in and to bring those people from the bondage of fear, from sin, deception, and bring them into the glorious light of the knowledge of His truth, to the knowledge of their Creator, of their Savior, Jesus Christ. As Pastor James mentioned, I'm Tim Lanier. My wife is Tiffany, 
And we have three children, Noah, Micah, and Anna. And we've spent the last six years living in Papua New Guinea with the Tongwap people. We've partnered with another tribal group of people called the Inapong people to reach the Tongwap people with the gospel. It's hard to believe, but six years ago this November, right here in this church, you, this body of believers, sent us out to be used by God in spreading the knowledge of him among nations who have never heard his name preached before. Now with your faithful labor with us, the power of God is bringing many men, women, and children among the Tongwa people to the saving knowledge of their Savior. And for that, we want to thank you this morning. But the story that I, want to be sh- that I want to share this morning is a story of the power of God at work in his people, at work in his church. As these believers in the remote corner of the jungle have trusted God individually, he has accomplished incredible things, incredible things through them together as a body. Prior to our arrival in Papua New Guinea, the Lord used another missionary team to reach a group of people called the Inapong people, to reach them with the gospel. And as this small church began to grow, they began reaching out to their other villages within their language group. Hopefully you can see on the map, the bottom red circle is the Inapong language group there in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. Today, as they have been faithful to preach the word among their own people, there is a church in nearly every village in the Inapong language group. Well, early on, the new believers there in one village called Itutong, they were burdened for the Tongwa people, which is a neighboring language group just north of them. They were burdened for the Tongwa people to hear the same message that had transformed their lives. But there was one problem. There was the problem of language. There were a few Tongwa bilinguals in the new church there in Itutong, but in order to do the church plant among the Tongwa people, they needed the scripture translated into the Tongwa language. They needed Bible lessons written in the Tongwa language. So the Inapong church had not seen this kind of work, the work of taking the gospel across language barriers, language boundaries. They'd not seen this done by anyone but white-skinned missionaries before. And for the Inapong people, they felt that this kind of outreach, this kind of work was just too big for them. It was beyond what they felt they were capable of doing. But at the same time, they dearly wanted the Tongwa people to hear the message of the gospel. They wanted to see the same transformation and freedom in those people as they had experienced through the gospel. So they prayed earnestly for the Lord to make a way for them to take the gospel to their friends and their family in the Tongwat area. They prayed and asked the Lord. Well, during our training as new missionaries in PNG in Papua New Guinea, we spent two months in the village of Itutong. We heard about what the Inapong believers there were wanting to do, and we felt compelled that God was leading us to be part of what he wanted to do there, to partner with this small church to reach the Tongwa people with the gospel. 
As we prayed about what the Lord would have us do, we saw that this was a ripe opportunity to see the church in Enopong further discipled, equipped, and empowered by God to accomplish this outreach, to see the Tongwat people reached. We saw that this was an opportunity not for a new missionary team to do this church plant, but for Christ's church already there to be equipped and empowered for the ministry that God was leading them to do. They felt inadequate. In some ways, it seemed too big of a task for them, but they believed that this is what God was leading them to do. And we saw this as an opportunity to see them empowered. For generations, they thought that because of the color of their skin, they could not do this. That the color of their skin automatically said, this is too big of a job for you, you can't do it. But we saw this as an opportunity for them to see that the Spirit of God living in them is what empowers them to be his vessels. It's what empowers you and I to be God's vessels, to proclaim the gospel to each other, to our neighbors, and to the nations. It's not our skin color. It's not our education. It is the Spirit of God living in us. And we wanted them to see that, to be able to live that, regardless of their past traditions or beliefs. So with the Enopong Church's blessing, we have partnered with them to provide logistical and discipleship support for the Tongwat outreach. This means that we work with them, with the Tongwat Church, or sorry, with the Enopong Church, primarily the Itutong Village. We work with them to provide scripture translation into the Tongwat language. We work with them to provide curriculum development oversight and discipleship throughout the church planning effort there among the Tongwat people. And I want to tell you, as we embarked on this journey, there have been many unknowns, things that just seem too impossible. How in the world is this going to happen? Yet over and over again, the Lord has moved and cleared the road before us. He's cleared the road and made the way open for his word to go forth and to be taught among the Tongwat people. To be taught among this people who have never heard the gospel preached in their language before. As we embarked on this journey, we wanted to do everything that we could to remove ourselves from the spotlight of this work and to support God's church there in their efforts and to do that, we decided it was best for us to live in the village of Itutong, where the church, the Enopong church, was located, and to work with the Tongwat people through the church from a distance. We believed that this was necessary in order to accomplish what it seemed the Lord was leading us to do, but this was a very untraditional for church planting, and it raised many potential difficulties. Initially, how would we learn the Tongwat language from the Itutong village where the Inapong language is predominantly spoken? How are we going to do that, Lord? Also, would it prove to be too great of a challenge for the bilingual Inapong believers to take on a role such as writing the Tongwat Bible lesson curriculum? Now, you have to consider that these people have very limited educational background, only reaching a low elementary grade for most of them. 
And that level of schooling isn't even on par with what we're used to. They've never had to create and develop written materials themselves. This kind of work is beyond anything that they have ever attempted in their history. Yet it seems this is what the Lord is asking them to do. They're also hunters and gatherers that are used to working as the sun and their food sources allow or require. Each day they wake up and decide what they want to do, what needs to be done. Long hours at a desk, deadlines is something entirely strange and new for them. The Lord was leading us and his church there down this path that took us out of our comfort zone of tried and true church planning methods. And it was also terrifying to the Enopong church as well to think of taking on a responsibility of something of this magnitude. So it was with fear and trembling that we, along with the Enopong church, followed the Lord in this. In the book of Exodus, we read of how God called Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of captivity in Egypt and to bring them to the promised land. I'm sure we're all well familiar with the story. As Israel left Egypt, Pharaoh pursued them and trapped them at the Red Sea. And we read the account of this in Exodus chapter 14. I just want to read two verses this morning. In verse 10 it says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Other translations say, and they panicked. They were stricken with fear. They did not know what to do. They thought their life was ending. And the people of Israel cried out to God. Down in verse 13, it says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. You see, the Israelites were trapped in a desperate situation. The great Red Sea before them, mountains to the side of them, and the mighty army of Egypt closing in behind them. You can imagine the desperation they must have felt. They must have thought, what? How can we just stand here? Don't you see how dire our circumstances are? Don't you see what is happening around us? We are going to die. How can we just stand? The Israelites were truly in a helpless situation. There was nothing that they could do. There was nothing that they could do to escape the situation, to escape the peril that loomed before them. God brought his people to a place where they had no option but to cry out to him. No option but to cry out to the Lord. They had no other way, no other option, no more plan B or C or even D. No more plans. There was nothing that they could do. But you know, when the Lord works in our lives, when he uses us to be his vessels, to proclaim the message to proclaim his message, he is not in the business of helping us to do a good job. He's not in the business of helping us to succeed in the eyes of man. God is not trying to boost our self-esteem. 
No, our God is in the business of bringing us to the end of ourselves. Bringing us to the end of ourselves where we have no more hope. And making it clear to us and to the world that we are weak and helpless. Why? Because he's in the business of displaying his glory. He's in the business of showing us his surpassing power, which we're going to talk about much this morning. And that's exactly what God did for Israel. He brought them to the end of hope in themselves so that his surpassing power could be displayed to them and to the nations that were watching in that situation. That God's surpassing power would be made evident through them and to them. The Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthian church of this in one of his letters to them. In the first letter he wrote to them in chapter 1, it says this. Paul says, For, I consider, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing, to bring to nothing things that are. Why did God choose to do that? This is why. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So that there would be no room for you and I to see our strength, to see our ability, but that we would see the strength, the surpassing power of God displayed through us. And moving on to chapter 2, he says, And when I, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In the power of God. God's desire is that our faith not rest in our strength, but in His power alone. In His surpassing power would our faith rest. And when He uses us, we're going to see our weakness made evident. When he uses us, we are going to see our own weaknesses made evident and his power displayed. We all know how the story of Israel at the Red Sea ended. God parted the sea. He delivered Israel, the nation that day, and destroyed Pharaoh and all of his army. Through the helplessness of the Israelites, through their helplessness, God displayed his might and magnified his name through them. And God went on to use the Israelite people to bring the promised deliverer into the world and accomplish once and for all salvation for all mankind. But who did he use to do that? He used a weak and helpless people. In our passage today, Paul declares 
that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God is very strategic. He knows what he's doing. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The message of salvation through Jesus Christ is the most precious, the most priceless, the most eternally significant treasure that exists or ever will exist. And yet, our Heavenly Father has entrusted it to weak, broken, cracked, messed up clay pots as vessels to be used by Him to proclaim His truth to each other, to our families, to our cities, to proclaim the gospel to our countries and to the nations around the world. To proclaim to them, to show them that His surpassing power is at work through us. So back to our story. Convinced that God is capable of accomplishing what to our eyes looks impossible and trembling in our boots, we trusted Him and partnered with the Enopong Church. God has moved mightily in this church there and through the incredible power of His Spirit, He has empowered them as His ambassadors. And today there is a brand new church among the Tongwa people by the power of God and through the power of His Spirit. Amen to that. Many Tongwa men and women and children have heard the gospel message in their own language and have relinquished their traditional spirit worship to trust the one true God for salvation through their sins. No longer do they worship many spirits that have been handed down to them through the traditions of their fathers, but they worship and know the one true God who created them and who sent his son to die for them. And all of this is because the surpassing power belongs to God and to God alone to accomplish through his people and through his church what to our eyes seems impossible. God used his church there among the Enopong people, a lowly people, an uneducated people, a people that most of the world has never heard of. He used them to accomplish above and beyond what they thought was possible to bring salvation to the Tongwa people. After only being literate themselves for a few years, the Enopong church stepped into a vital role to see the Tongwa people literate as well. They wrote more than 100 graded stories for the new Tongwa literacy program. And soon with their help, the whole program was ready and they hosted and taught the first Tongwa literacy classes. Now they have trained Tongwa literacy teachers and are overseeing these new teachers and the Tongwa Literacy School. Once that was in place, many bilinguals in the Inapong Church have also spent many hours helping us draft and check the Tongwa Bible translation. A huge project. And then next after that, for the chronological evangelistic Bible teaching that was to take place among the Tongwa people, Bible translation as well as Bible lessons were needed. The Inapong bilingual Bible teachers came together 
and have written all 78 word-for-word Bible lessons in the Tongwat language. An incredible undertaking for men who have very limited school and training and were only literate in their own language a few years ago. And all of this, all of this is because the surpassing power belongs not to us, it is not ours, but it belongs to God and to God alone by his spirit working through his people and through his church to accomplish his work. One of the men who spearheaded this outreach and the Bible lesson writing teams, his name is Leo Duan, and he remembers how scared he was when we started training them to do this work. You're going to hear from him a little later. Isn't it true that often we get scared by what we see around us, by what we see the Lord is asking us to do? We get scared. But the power is not in us. The ability is not in us. It's in God and him alone. Let's read about a man that we're well well familiar with in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 14, we read the account of Jesus walking on the water. And it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up onto the mountain to pray by himself. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered, them, answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? A familiar story, yet the truth demonstrated for us is one that we continually face and will continue to face throughout our walk with the Lord. Peter, as he stepped onto the water, he allowed the situation, what he saw around him, what his eyes perceived, he allowed that to cause him to forget, to start believing with his eyes and not with what he knows. He lost sight of what he knew, letting the bigness of what was before him, what was around him, allowing that to cause him to forget what he knew, that the all-surpassing power belongs to Jesus Christ. It belongs to Jesus Christ. It wasn't his ability making him walk on the water. It wasn't the calmness or the bigness of the seas around him. It was Jesus. The power belongs to Jesus and him alone. Think about this for a moment. What is fear? What is fear? I'm sure there's many ways we could describe it. Fear is the absence of hope. Fear feeds on doubt. It feeds on the unknown. It feeds on what may or may not be, what we don't know, 
what we don't understand, what we can't see. Fear feeds on these things. But when we cling to what we do know, fear can turn to joy, it can turn to anticipation, to hope. And what do we know? We know that the all-surpassing power belongs to God. It belongs to Jesus Christ. It is not us. And that power lives in us through the Spirit, through the life of Jesus. We know that even though we may see impossibilities around us with our eyes, we may see the waves and the storms around us, We may see unknowns that seem impossible, but because of what we know, we can stand firm, just as Moses commanded the Israelites. We can stand firm and know that God himself has the power to accomplish his gospel being preached through us for his glory and for the salvation of many who don't know him. In Peter's fear, as he stepped out of that boat, He recognized his inability and reached out to the one who who did have the power to sustain him. And that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus' power was seen through him as he reached out his hand and took hold of him. Rest assured that as we follow Christ, as we step out in faith to be used by him as his ambassadors, he will bring us to points just like Peter where we have the choice to see the storm and the waves around us, the fear and the impossibilities, or we can reach out to the one who controls them and see his all-surpassing power displayed through us and around us. As Leo Leo Duan there in Itutong Church and other Bible teachers saw the enormous task of writing 78 full-length Bible lessons in the Tonguat language. They certainly feared. They certainly feared. Yet in spite of that, they determined to trust God and step out in faith. And as they did, the Holy Spirit empowered them. And after a year and a half of intensive work, they have written and edited all 78 of those Tongwa Bible lessons for the people. After that, the Inapong Bible teachers faced another challenge. As the Bible teaching got underway, they had to teach the precious truths of God's word in a language that they knew but were uncomfortable teaching in. One Bible teacher named Martin shared his thoughts with us, and you're going to see him and what he has to say about that a little later. As they looked around them and saw the waves, the waves of teaching in the Tonguat language, of writing lessons in the Tonguat language, as they saw those waves, as they saw that wind, they were terrified. But remembering who controlled the waves and trusting God's spirit that was at work in them, they stepped out in faith and were blown away by what the Lord used them to accomplish, by what he accomplished through them. And they saw clearly that it was not them, but God bringing salvation to the Tongwat people by his power. But we have this treasure. God has put this treasure in us, jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
It is not ours. It is not ours. Well, they taught the Tongwat people the precious truths of God's word. And today there's a Tongwat church there in that place. Many men and women have believed, have trusted the Lord as their Savior. So in conclusion this morning, God uses us. He uses us, fragile, cracked, clay vessels with fear, with sin, with failures, with weaknesses, with problems, with excuses, with so many issues. But he uses us to be the vessels that bring this great treasure the glorious message of the cross. He uses us to bring it to others so that he can display through our clay-pottedness his surpassing power, that it may be clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Psalm 65, 8 says, Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. People of God, this morning, let us glory in the power and in the majesty of our great God and his work in us and in his church to be the vessels by which he saves those who are perishing. By which he saves those who are perishing.